1915, an earthquake in Avanzano, Italy, achieved what the law often promises but rarely maintains, equality. In a matter of minutes, the devastating earthquake killed a staggering 30,000 people. The worst hit areas of the city had a mortality rate of 96%. The Avanzano earthquake was a devastating natural disaster that leveled not only the buildings of the town, but also decimated the city's long-standing societal structures. Rich were killed along with poor, and everyone who survived, no matter their station, was thrust into a basic, common, and shared struggle for survival, searching for food, for water, and for shelter as they sought to find and bury the dead. The sudden social equality that followed the Avanzano earthquake illustrates a common historical phenomenon. Communities devastated by a natural or a man-made disaster almost never lapse into a period of chaos or disorder. More often, a radical equality is achieved among the citizenry as the old titles and privileges and definitions crumble to the ground. For example, the city of New Orleans actually experienced a drop in crime after Hurricane Katrina, as much of the reported looting turned out to be people simply looking for food and water. Following the disaster, the city of New Orleans came together and found a common purpose, their shared survival. Now we pick up the gospel story today with an account of Jesus' first public appearance with his disciples in a synagogue in the town of Capernaum. The geographical location is less important here to the story than the building where Jesus chooses to make his first appearance, for it is a house of worship. Now, chances are that few in the synagogue that day had encountered Jesus or even heard of him yet, but as he teaches them, they are impressed, not only by his words, but also by his authority. The teachings of this new rabbi are different than those they receive from their normal scribes. There's a power behind his words. Well, as fate would have it, those present quickly discovered that the scriptures are not the only thing Jesus has authority over. As they marvel at his teachings, an unclean spirit in the congregation calls out to Jesus, questioning his purpose on earth and revealing his identity. In response, Jesus commands the spirit to leave the body of the man he is possessing. And after a struggle, it does. And as a result of these two authoritative actions, Jesus' presence in that synagogue was a first century earthquake, a tidal wave crashing upon the shores of the Sea of Galilee, overturning much of what the Jewish people had come to believe about their scriptures, about themselves, and about their world. His destabilizing and captivating presence causes the people to wonder aloud, one to another, what is this? We may, as humans, crave stability and structure, and it certainly is important and can be helpful at times. But as this passage, I think, reminds us today, we also, in our life of faith, need regular encounters 
regular encounters with an authority with enough power and presence to disorient us and disturb us enough to wake us from our slumber and rekindle our passion and curiosity. Poet Billy Collins speaks to this in his poem entitled Ballistics. He writes, When you wake up in a strange bed, often you don't know where you are for a couple of seconds. Surely that is not a pleasure for everyone, but it is for some. How refreshing to take a little break from always knowing where we are, or at least fooling ourselves into thinking so. It's a hard-won wisdom, but spiritual teachers across the centuries affirm the truth. They affirm that the people who often find God are the ones who are really serious. The people who are really serious about their quest and their questions. They are the ones that are more likely to find God than those who are seeking absolute certainty of the answers they want. Do you notice, in fact, what Jesus chooses to do in his first public appearance today? He disrupts two foundational understandings, two pillars of his Jewish faith, the interpretation of the scriptures and the people's understanding of evil and its power in the world. Jesus confronts and defeats the power of evil in a place of worship, right after offering new interpretations of familiar scriptures. The scribes belong here, belonged there in that space. The unclean spirit did not. And Jesus displays an authority over them both. And in the process, he sets the stage for a ministry of disruption that I think will achieve what human beings alone never could. Equality with one another and with God. Jesus has authority over everything. Under his authority, familiar Bible stories can hold new meaning and purpose. Under his authority, all sins can be forgiven and all relationships restored. Under his authority, evil has no sway, no power. And the question the people of Capernaum utter in response to these revelations is the same question I think we ask when we also confront these truths. What is this? A new teaching with authority. Jesus has authority over everything, over the good things in our life we hold dear, and over the forces we fear will tear us apart. Jesus is above it all and over it all. None of it is beyond his reach, which means Jesus is the tidal wave, the hurricane, the earthquake. God has sent to rebuild our connections and restore our purpose by drawing out of us the most important questions of our faith. What is this? Who is this? And what are the implications of his teachings? I think the community that came to worship in that synagogue in Capernaum didn't know what they didn't know. It's often the case for us, too. They didn't know they had a possessed man in their midst. They didn't know the Messiah had come to be among them. They didn't know that everything they knew was about to change. They entered into that sacred space, their worship space, disconnected a bit from one another and from the unfolding story of their faith. But after just a few minutes with Jesus, they were awakened by a renewed curiosity for one another 
and for God. In a few moments, we will install and ordain new officers of the church, men and women who have agreed to serve Christ through serving this congregation as elders or deacons. And as their ordination questions will make clear, their service will be under the authority of Christ, not the will of the people of this congregation or the pastor's wishes or anyone else who seeks to lead them. And as they seek to submit themselves to the authority of the one who has called and equipped them for this work, it is important that I remind both them and you that in addition to strengthening them in their service, Christ will also disrupt them in it. Christ will confound their preconceptions to encourage them to ask deeper questions on your behalf. What is this? Who is this? And what are the implications of his teachings? In Flannery O'Connor's short story entitled Revelation, Mrs. Turpin is an excessively judgmental woman who sizes up everyone and everything she sees, placing them neatly into categories. White trash, blacks, ladies and gentlemen. At night, she sometimes occupies her mind by naming the classes of people. The way she sees it, the so-called colored people are at the bottom of the heap. Just once above are the white trash. Above that are the homeowners, the class to which she and her husband belong. And on top are people with lots of money and bigger houses and lots and lots of land. What bothers Mrs. Turpin, though, is the awareness that things are actually more complicated than that. For some people with a lot of money are, in her eyes, kind of common. And some people below her have what she calls good blood. In the story, she and her husband enter a doctor's waiting room, and Mrs. Turpin quickly passes judgment on everyone she sees there. As time passes, she begins to voice some of these judgments out loud. She didn't have much of a filter. Until finally, a young college girl who has been reading a textbook and shooting Mrs. Turpin dirty looks finally has as much of Mrs. Turpin as she can bear. Fed up, she hurls the textbook across the room at Mrs. Turpin, hitting her right above the eye, and then she attacks her, strangling her, shouting, Go back to hell where you came from, you old warthog. Mrs. Turpin, understandably, is shaken to the core. Later that night, as she remembers the incident, wondering why someone would say such a thing to a good and respectful person like herself, in that moment, Miss Turpin is granted a vision from God. It's a highway in the sky, and upon it a vast horde of souls were tumbling towards heaven. There were whole companies of white trash clean for the first time in their lives, and bands of blacks and white robes, and battalions of freaks and lunatics shouting and clapping and leaping, and bringing up the end of the procession was a tribe of people who, like herself and her husband, had always had a little of everything in the God-given wit to use it right. But as she looked closer at this group, she could see by their very shocked and altered faces that even their virtues were being burned away. What is this? It's a new teaching with authority. Christ has authority over all scripture, over all the powers of evil in this world, and over all of us. And his authority that disturbs us as much as it comforts us is an authority grounded in love. A love that reorients, reorients us to the truth of a God whose purpose is to reconnect us to ourselves, to one another, and to our God. So we too can reclaim our God-given purpose 
and stand together in awe at the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen.